I just want to start tonight. Uh, I just want to tell you that I love you, and uh, it's my great privilege to be your pastor. And uh, I went home last week, and I felt like I preached too hard. And sometimes I feel like, uh, but I think most of you have been around long enough, and you give me grace. And uh, sometimes I feel like I preach too hard. And uh, I hope if you ever feel that way, you give me mercy. I mean, you give me the benefit of the doubt. And you, and you know that I preach uh, hard sometimes because uh, I feel led to do that. And it's, not, it's not that I'm being hard on you. It's not that I don't love you. In fact, it's the very opposite. It's because I do love you. And I try to handle the Word of God properly and, and with balance. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm a fallen man up here doing the best I can. And uh, I thank you for your your forbearance and your understanding and uh, your patience with me. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to tell you I love you, and I thank you that you allow me to be your pastor, Karen and I both. Uh, we can't imagine doing anything else. Psalm 8110b, I, the Lord, am your God. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. I love this verse. I love the invitation of God in this verse. <laughs> I love the life uh, implications of this verse. As a believer, and maybe even more so as a pastor, it reminds me to never believe small. It reminds me to never pray small or think small or plan small or live small or dream small. God says to His people, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That's God's promise to His people. Um, George, Mueller loved, uh, George Mueller loved this, this verse as well. Uh, let me read to you from his... December 5th, 1835, journal entry. Mueller writes, This scripture came alive to me today. I was led to apply it to the orphan house and ask the Lord for a building. 1,000 pounds and suitable individuals to take care of the children. Now many of you know we have Mueller's a small autobiography of George Mueller on the table. If you've never read about Mueller, I would encourage you to do it. He was a man of tremendous faith, tremendous prayer. Uh, you need to read this book if you haven't done it. Um, it's a, a book that changed my life. God used to change my life. But George Mueller, during his lifetime, God used him to supply uh, for the needs of 10,000 orphans. And Mueller never asked a man for a penny. He never fundraised in a, in a strict sense. What Mueller did was, was inform people of his plans, inform people of the need, and then he asked God for the provision. That's how Mueller conducted his ministry uh, over his many, many years. I just want to read an excerpt to you from his autobiography. This was a not an uncommon occurrence in his life. This is from the morning of 18, February 8, 1842. Now, how many of you keep a journal? 
How many keep a journal? Okay, if you're a Christian, you really ought to be keeping a journal because then you can go back and you can read. And I'm going to share with you from my journal tonight. You can see the faithfulness of God and be reminded of the faithfulness of God. But listen to George Mueller's journal, the morning of February 8, 1842. There's enough food in all the houses for the meals of the day. But we have not been able to buy any bread, and there is not enough money to buy milk tomorrow morning. Coal is also needed in two houses. Indeed, as far as I know, we were never in greater poverty. But I am fully assured that the Lord will not leave us. Okay? And this is the evening entry in his journal, February 8, 1842. The Lord has not yet sent us what is needed for tomorrow. Before 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, we need more money to be able to buy milk. Truly, we are poorer than ever. This is a sentence I want you to hear, and I hope you remember. Through grace, my eyes do not look at the meager supplies and the empty purse. What's he, what do you think he's looking at? God. Listen to how he says it. He says, I'm not looking at the meager supplies or the empty purse. He says, I'm looking at the riches of my God. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's how Christians live, right? That's how real Christians live. I love that. He's not looking at the meager supply. He's not looking at his poverty. He's looking at the infinite wealth of his infinitely great and infinitely faithful God. If you haven't read this, I... I think you ought, to, you ought to think about doing it. You ought to think about doing it. And this, this was not uh, something that Mueller really, you know, Mueller, when he, ta he talks about this, this is not something he dreaded in his life, these times of great testing. In fact, he says this uh, in his journal, Truly it is worth being poor and greatly tried in faith for the sake of having such precious daily proof of the loving interests which our kind Father takes in everything that concerns us. There was never a day that Mueller didn't wake up and God provided for those orphans. There was never one day that went by. And sometimes he had as many as 2,500 mouths to feed in the morning when he woke up. But God was faithful. God was faithful. He is a promise-keeping God. And that's what I want to say to you tonight. He is a promise-keeping God. And you have license to live your Christianity as huge as you dare. Because He is a promise-keeping God. Now you know one of my favorite names for the Lord is Jehovah-Jireh. What does Jehovah-Jireh mean? You know, a lot of us have always heard, and it's, it's certainly a good definition, the Lord will provide. That's what Jehovah Jireh means. The Lord will provide. One Hebrew scholar did it a little differently. He translated it a little differently. He says, the Lord will see to it. The Lord will see. Don't you love that? That's the name of our God. One of the many names of our God. The Lord will see to it. I love that. So let me just ask you right here at the outset, do you believe that? Do you believe that in your life, that the Lord will keep His promises 
and that you can live your Christianity huge because your God's a promise keeper. God said, I, the Lord, am your God. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. George Mueller believed it. And he did one other thing. <laughs> he lived it. He took the promise of God and he lived it. So let me ask you, I'm going to ask you again. Are you living like a son or daughter of God? Are you claiming the promises of God? Are you living your Christianity huge? Not in some small way, some meager way, some I'm, I'm just going to get by today, but huge. And you know I'm not a name it and claim it guy. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about standing on the promises of a faithful God and living like it. That's what I'm talking about. Mueller opened his mouth really, 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 really wide and God filled him up. And God fed and clothed and educated and evangelized 10,000 orphans off the street through the faith and prayer of one very unremarkable man. <laughs> now, friends, <laughs> wow, that convicts me. That convicts me. Just a little bit. I'm not saying we're all called to be George Mueller. That's not what I'm saying. But we are called to stand on the promises of God and claim the promises of God and live like He's a faithful God. To live like He is Jehovah Jireh. We aren't supposed to just sing about the faithfulness of God. We are supposed to put it on display. So let me ask you in the last two weeks, has God's faithfulness been on display in your life? How about the last four weeks? The last three months, the last year, the last decade, has God's faithfulness been on display in your life? It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. If we're walking as God has called us to walk, if we know, if we just read the Bible superficially, God never doesn't do what He says He will do. God never doesn't keep a promise. He's never not trustworthy. He's never not reliable. He always shows up. You guys know what the word lament means, I trust. It just means to express sorrow, to mourn. The Hebrew meaning is to cry aloud. And this little book of Lamentations that you heard Gary read from earlier, it's about the siege of the Babylonians on on Jerusalem, uh, Jeremiah had foretold the, the Jews that uh, ju God's judgment was coming because of their high-handed sin against Him. He had forewarned them. And now the Babylonian army has arrived and the devastation is complete and total. It's an incredibly sobering account. At one point, uh, the parents are eating their children to stay alive. This is how explicit the agony of lamentations is. Shockingly, in the middle of this dirge is the most well-known verse in the Bible about the faithfulness of the living God. First, Jeremiah writes, I am filled 
in, in the early parts of chapter 3. You can, you can survey that for yourself uh, sometime later. But Jeremiah says, I am filled with bitterness. I have forgotten happiness. My strength has perished. Okay, I'm setting the stage for you. That's where Jeremiah is. Let me interject. I tell you many, many times that bad theology, what? Anybody know? Bad theology, what? Anybody else know? It hurts people. Bad theology hurts people. That is to say, non-biblical theology, it hurts people. When the crisis comes, many Christians let their circumstance dictate to them instead of their view of God dictating to them. And I want, you to, I want you to just hold that thought. I want you to hold that thought. Jeremiah has hit the wall. It's as bad as it can get. And if he, if he starts to think incorrectly about God, he could, he could end up into dis, dis, uh, depression and despair and bitterness. But in the midst of all of this heartache, he begins to remember. He, begin, he begins to remember his faithful God. Some of you guys know who Beth Moore is. She's a famous uh, woman's teacher in the U.S. And she said something one, one time that I never forgot. She says you have to merge your biblical theology into your reality. So let me ask you, Christian. Are you doing that? Are you merging your biblical theology, what you know to be true about God, into your reality? Your biblical theology into your reality. Do you think biblically about God? Or do you let your circumstance dictate to you how you're going to think about God? Or do you let the eternal truths from the Bible dictate to you how you're going to think about your circumstance? It's the world of difference. There is a world of difference do you really believe God? Do you really trust God? Do you really believe He's able to keep His promises? Maybe a better question is, do you really believe He's willing to keep His promises? Do you really believe that He is the God who can see to it? Do you really believe that? And I guess the most important question for you and me is, are we really living that every morning when we wake up? Are we living like our God is El Shaddai? I want to I say to you, Christian friend, you need to be living like that. You must live like that. There are unbelievers around you watching you, and they know that you claim to be a Christian. You must live like God is real. You must live like, like He's a promise keeper. And you must be claiming those promises and standing on those promises and expecting God to keep those promises. You know, we pray in staff time together many times about a God-sent revival in Milan. And I tell the guys uh, and the ladies sometimes, I say, you know, we may not ever see it. I don't have to see it. It may come after I'm long gone. It may come after I'm dead. But we cry out to God, standing on the promise that He hears and answers prayer. I rarely quote Bon Jovi. But I quoted uh, Mick Jagger last week, so here goes. Bon Jovi sings, and I know if you take the whole context of the song, it's, it's bad. 
But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a line. I'm going to just steal a line out of, of one of his songs. Bon Jovi says, I want to live while I'm alive. I love that line. I want to live while I'm alive. And what, what I want to challenge you to do tonight, one of, the, one of the main purposes of my exhortation to you is to really live the Christian life for the few days you have left. I mean big. I mean huge. I mean bold. I mean unapologetically. I mean unashamedly. Taking great risks to obey the Lord, if need be, like He's a promise keeper. Like He's a promise keeper. Some of you may remember, I quoted Psalm 81.10. You may remember the very next two verses. Psalm 81.11 uh, 81, and 12. It's a sad reality. Listen to what God says right after that great promise of 81.10. But my people did not listen to my voice and did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. Beloved, there is great risk in not believing, trusting, and acting on the promises of God. We would be relegated to mediocrity. Relegated to mediocrity. God gives this awesome promise and God expects His people to take Him up on it. He says, open up your mouth wide and I'll fill it up. All you have to do, all we have to do is open our mouths wide. And he says, I'll do everything else. I'll fill it up. Friends, is your mouth open wide? In a metaphorical sense. Are you ready to receive the blessing of God? Are you ready to receive the power of God? Are you ready to be used mightily of God for the few moments that you have left on the earth. Back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is against the wall. He says, I'm filled with bitterness. I've forgotten happiness. My strength has perished. Uh, and three verses later, and I want you to, to note this, three verses later in chapter 3, before his outward circumstance has changed, did you hear me? Before his outward circumstance has changed, his heart changes. His inward circumstance begins to change. He remembered what his mama taught him about the God of Israel. And you heard Gary read the text. Verse 21. He says, This I recall to my mind. What is he doing? He's recalling what? Good theology. Biblical theology. What his mama taught him about the God of Israel. What he learned in the synagogue. There, he goes, right in the midst of this, this devastating trial, this heart-wrenching trial, he says, I recall to mind my God. It's a beautiful text. The Lord's loving kindnesses, plural, indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are brand new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I want you to hear me say something. This is what I really want you to walk away with. Quite a few things tonight, actually. But I want to say something to you that I don't want you to ever forget. Jeremiah would not let his circumstance dictate his view of God. He would not let his circumstance dictate to him his view of God. He let his view of God dictate to him how he would view and react to his circumstance. Did you get that? Do you understand that? It's 
what God is calling us to as Christians. It doesn't matter how hard our circumstance is, God is still God. And God is doing an awesome thing in our life. Jeremiah let his theology impact his reality. And and that's just what I'm asking you tonight. Is your biblical theology impacting your reality? You know, Paul says basically the same thing over Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 to 13. Paul says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. How did Paul do this? Some of you probably know how he ends that that text. How How did Paul do this? What was Paul's secret? He says, I can do everything in Christ. <laughs> you know, we talked about that in 1 John, man. We are Nike, right? What is Nike? What is Nike? What does that mean? Conquerors. We are Nike. We are Nike. We can do all things in Christ, Paul says. All things. That's his secret. That's how he prosecutes life. When it gets really, really hard, I can do it in Christ. And when, it's, when blessings are just overflowing, he's, he's praising Christ. It's all about Jesus. Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Is that where you are, Christian? If you're not there yet, that's where God means for you to be and that's how He means for you to prosecute your life. Like you really believe that. To live is for the glory of Christ. To die is gain. I'm just going to go be with Him. You know, we're really supposed to... That's not just beautiful uh, uh, Scripture or or doctrine. It it doesn't just roll off the tongue in in the uh, confession. We're supposed to live that. We're supposed to live that. To live is Christ. To die is gain. You know, God invaded Paul's life on the road to Damascus. And if you're a Christian tonight, He's invaded your life. He just showed up. And He's invaded your life as well. And did you, ever, you, you know that everything about Paul's life changed, right? Everything changed. Everything changed. He quit his job, right? God was faithful. He left his religion. God was faithful. He got a new job. Became a missionary. And he did something no one had ever done before in the history of the world. He planted Christian churches. God was faithful. God was faithful. He was beaten, stoned, and shipwrecked. God was faithful to him. He was arrested. He stood before a king. God was faithful. Paul was imprisoned. God was faithful. Paul was martyred. God was faithful. Paul really, 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 really lived while he was alive. <laughs> Friends, you have license. Are you, are you hearing me at all? You have license. You, we don't have to settle for the pathetic dreams of this world. And friends, they're pathetic. Get a bunch of stuff, go on some fun vacations, have a nice retirement, have a few kids, you know, uh, have a nice wife, have a nice house. I mean, all these things, uh, a nice husband. You know, all these things are good. They're good. 
But man, if that's as high as it gets in our life, it's a tragedy. I agree with John Piper. That's a tragedy. It's a wasted life. God's called us to something infinitely higher than that. To go with Jesus. To go with Jesus. Not in some religious sense, but every day go with Jesus. To go with Him and proclaim His glory. Arrested, beaten, stoned, and in prison. His answer was Jesus. It didn't matter if it was easy or hard. It didn't matter if it was blessing or trial. It didn't matter if there was plenty or want. Paul's life shouted, I love this beautiful, awesome, compelling God, and my whole life is about Him. And friends, really? That's what it means to be a Christian. I know that Christianity has become has been dumbed down in most of the modern church. It just means I show up for services on Sunday. It's good to show up for services on Sunday, but I pray that's not the sum and substance of your Christianity. I pray it's not. We've not learned God correctly if that's the sum and substance of our Christianity. God's called us to something infinitely grander than that. The secret of Paul is the secret of every true Christian. We look to Christ. So, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. Does anyone here really believe that God's a promise keeper? Anybody? We have a few people. A few people believe it. That's good. God expects His people to believe that He's a promise keeper. My next question to you is, are you living like God's a promise keeper? Are you living like God's a promise keeper? Are you living like He's a faithful God? My next question is, if you're not, I have to ask you as your pastor, I have to lovingly ask you, why not? Why are you not living like your God is God and like your God is faithful? Why not? Why not? If you really believed it, you would live it. You know what, beloved? If you really believed it, you would live it. It would spill out into your life. It's like it's like it's 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 too irresistible not to believe it. If I it, not to live it, if I really really believe it, then it's almost it's irresistible not to live it. How can we not live it? How can we not live our Christianity huge? How can we not, if we really believe God is God and God is faithful, how can we not? How can we not? I want to say to you, beloved, my exhortation to you is that if you really believe that to be true, you have no constraints or limitations in your life. <laughs> There's no telling what God might do with you. You just throw off all your fears and all your anxieties and all your concerns and, and your desire to conform to the world, if you throw that off, there's no telling what God might do through you. You'll be the spiritual equivalent of Batman. I've talked to Adam about this before. It's my whole Batman theology. And you'll be indestructible. You'll be bulletproof in the spiritual realm. You'll be Batman in the spiritual realm. 
Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen to just a couple of verses in the Bible about the faithfulness of God. Christian friend, here's your license. Here's your license right here. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should repent. Has He said, and will He not do it? Or has He spoken, and will He not make it good? And otherwise, uh, will God not do what He says? Of course He'll do what He says. That's understood in the Hebrew. Of course God will do what He says. Of course He will. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps His promise, His loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love Him and keep His commandments. This is just a Jewish way of saying that God never doesn't keep His promise to His people. He never doesn't do it to a thousandth generation. I love that verse. Psalm 36.5 Thy loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Thy faithfulness reaches to the skies. It's a Jewish way of saying it's immeasurable. Your faithfulness, O God, is immeasurable. It's immeasurable. Psalm 89.8 O Lord of God of hosts, who is like the Almighty Lord? Thy faithfulness surrounds Thee. How big is God? He's omnipresent. He's infinitely omnipresent. It's just a Jewish way to say that his faithfulness is huge. It's infinite. It surrounds Him. And He feels everything. His faithfulness is as big as God is. Psalm 146, 5 and 6. My hope is in the Lord God who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. It just means that He, he everlastingly keeps faith. He eternally keeps faith. Isaiah 11.5 Righteousness will be the belt about His loins and faithfulness the belt about His waist. I love this. Simply saying God never goes anywhere without His faithfulness. It adorns Him. His faithfulness adorns Him. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we are faithless, He remains faithful for He cannot deny Himself. He cannot not be faithful. It's just who God is. When He says a thing... He can take it to the bank. Jehovah Jireh is going to do the thing. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. God is the omnipotent promise keeper. No one can stop Him. I love to think of Him like this. Nobody can stop my Father from keeping His promise to me. Amen? No one. There is no power that can stop my Father from coming to my aid. No one. He's a faithful God. <laughs> and He's an omnipotent God. He has no peer. He has no colleague. There's no one beside Him. Friends, we're supposed to be living this huge. That's how we're supposed to be living it. That's how we're supposed to be living it. I love what A.W. Pink says about the faithfulness of God. Listen to this. You're going to love this quote. Far above all finite comprehension is the unchanging faithfulness of God. He never forgets. He never fails. He never falters. He never forfeits His Word. To every promise, every prophecy, every covenant, and every threatening, He will make good. When Jesus said to His men, follow Me, and by extension, when He says to you, follow Me, He means it. He means it. It doesn't matter how hard it gets. 
He really means for you to take up your cross and follow Him. He really means it. He means it. And you can because God is who He is. Because God is who He is. Jeremiah knew it. Great is thy faithfulness, he said. Paul knew it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mueller knew it. He opened up his mouth wide and God filled him up. So I want to ask you, do you know it? Do you know it? And do you live it? Friends, I'm just exhorting you tonight to take inventory of where you are in your walk with God. Just take inventory. Are you standing on His promises? Are you claiming His promises? Are you walking in a manner worthy of a son or daughter of the living God? Do you believe He is a see-to-it kind of God? You know, Mueller's story is not about Mueller. Who's it about? It's about God. It's not about George Mueller's great faith. It's about the faithfulness of his great God. That's what it's about. That's what every story in all the Bible is about. It, they're all about God. And sometimes we, we bring them down and we start talking about this little thing or that little thing, but really, ultimately, all of the stories and illustrations and accounts in the Scripture point to Him. They point to our awesome God. And I'm just going to give you a very short testimony tonight about the faithfulness of God in, uh, in my life. I could tell you many, many things, but I just want to share this with you. It might mean something to you. Some of you have may, maybe have heard me say this before. But uh, I guess that's one reason I thanked you earlier that you allowed me to be your pastor. Is uh, The only reason Karen and I are here as your pastor is because God's a faithful God. We did not orchestrate this. We did not uh, fundraise to, to make this happen. We, God just brought us here. And I'm just going to give you a brief testimony. I think, I, think it, I think you need to know that your pastor has experienced the faithfulness of God firsthand. I'm not just some, some empty suit up here talking about things I don't know anything about. I've experienced God's faithfulness in my life. And I'm going to share that with you. Just one brief account. If you would allow me, I'd appreciate that. I read Mueller's story back in the mid-80s, and it just, I didn't understand it. <laughs> I knew I was supposed to be free like him. I just wasn't. I knew, and I, and I had an appetite to know about that. I want to know what it was like to, to trust the Lord like that. I didn't understand it. But God planted a seed in my heart. Long story short, early 2003, four people invited us to come back and pastor this dead or dying church. Four people. And they said, man, we want you to come back and pastor this church. Would you and Karen do that? Oh, yeah, we don't have any money. Uh, well, we could pay you for three or four months. And, of course, Karen and I were sitting at the table, and we immediately looked at each other, and we said, man, this is an opportunity to obey God. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Some of you probably do. With glad, reckless joy. Just obey God with Glad, reckless joy. We didn't look at the meager circumstances. We didn't look at the puny purse. We looked at a faithful God who can be trusted. And we said, yes, we'll come to Milan and try to replant this dead church. Let me just interject that uh, many Christians never 
powerfully experience firsthand the, the promise-keeping faithfulness of God because they're, they're in their little box and they won't get out. <laughs> they're living in this comfortable little, this comfortable little box that they've, they've created their life and it's really comfortable and it's manageable. They understand it. They can control everything in the box. And friends, God's not, God's not going to disturb you in your little box. If you're content to live there, He's going to let you live there. But God's called you out of the box. He's calling you out of the box. He's calling you out of the... You know, the, the Christian is not supposed to live by the assumptions of the world. He's called us out of that little bitty box. He expects us to venture out on His promises. He expects us to engage in glad, reckless joy, risk-taking obedience. Let me ask you, have you ever obeyed God to the point that there was risks? Risk in your life. Friends, this should be a common thing for us as Christians. It should not be an uncommon thing. Piper is right. The Christian's life is a call to risk. It's always costly to go with Jesus. Obedience will be risky. And it's always right to take that risk. I love that Piper says that. It's always right to take whatever risk is in front of you for the glory of Jesus. And to obey Him. It's always right. Well, Karen and I were like Mueller. We decided God would get more glory if we never asked anybody for a penny. So we never asked one man for a penny, ever. We've never asked anybody for money. We did what Mueller did. We, in, we informed people. We let them know of our plans and the need. That's all we did. And then we went to God and we prayed. And we began to pray March 10, 2003. Now, I know these things because I have a journal. How many of you keep a journal? I know I've already asked you, but I'm going to ask you again. I know ministers that don't keep journals. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Man, you've got to be able to go back and say, Hey, March 10, 2003, I started praying about that. I started praying about it. I started praying about it. We started to close up shop in Little Rock to come to Milan. January 22, 2003, we had no money committed. By late September, Karen and I both had told our employees that we were going to resign and we were hiring our own replacements. And we had 20% of what we needed committed. But we went ahead and we quit. Were we foolish? In fact, I had, had a brother say to me, Jim, you're not acting wise. I don't think that's wise. I don't think that's wise. I don't think that's prudent. Friends, some people are simply not going to believe. <laughs> They're not going to believe. They're just not going to believe the promises of God. Even many who profess to be Christians. November 21, Karen and I went to Gadwall's Grill, as we always did on Saturday night, to have a hamburger and, and onion rings. Man, I miss that. And I told Karen that... Uh, man, I've preached a long time. I'm sorry. I told Karen that... Uh, I loved this ride God was taking us on. I loved it. He was making us believe and really trust Him. January 10, 2004, God had given us 120% of what we asked Him for. 120% of what we asked Him for, God had provided. So March 8, 2004, we got on a plane and we came to Milan. And God has provided for us faithfully for 64 months. And I'm not telling you this story because... I want you to say, oh, what great faith Karen and Jim have. I want you to realize how faithful God is. And I want you to realize that when it comes, when it comes into your life that, that obedience is going to require great risk, man, I want you to run to it. 
I don't want you to shrink back. What does God say? The righteous shall what? Live by faith. That's how they live. So beloved, if you want to live while you're alive, I'm going to make some challenges to you. Stop conforming to the ways of the world. Stop living by the world's assumptions. Stop building your life around temporal security. And stop being risk averse when it comes to your faith. Don't be risk averse in the spiritual realm. You're Batman. You're supposed to be Batman in the spiritual realm. You're Nikkei. You're overcomers. You've got to merge biblical theology with your reality and live like it. Jesus said in John chapter 8, If you abide in My Word, then you are truly My disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. If you know your Bible, you're free. Let me say it this way. If you know your Bible, and you believe your Bible, you are free to live your Christianity as large as you want. You may be, the next George Mueller may be sitting right here in this room right now. How awesome would that be? You give yourself wholly over to the Word. Abide in it, Jesus says. There is freedom. So God has given us license to live by faith. We are not constrained by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Mueller said it this way, Through grace my eyes do not look at the meager supplies and the empty purse, but to the riches of the Lord only. Mueller merged his biblical theology into his reality, and he and his 10,000 orphans lived on the faithfulness of Jehovah Jireh every single day day. So my exhortation to you is to go out there in the world and live your Christianity like you believe God is God and like God is faithful. I'm going to I want to challenge you tonight, go live it huge. It doesn't matter if you're uh, a businessman or, or a, a medical professional or a performer or uh, a housewife or uh, it doesn't really matter, it doesn't matter what you are, go live your life huge in a way that glorifies God. God says, I, the Lord, am your God. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Let's pray together. Father, it's irresistible. It's irresistible. Not to get out of the boat and walk on the water with you. There's this irresistible aspect to it. Lord Jesus, if that's you out there, bid me come. Bid me come, Lord Jesus. I, that's my prayer for every one of us in this room. Bid us come and may we have the courage to step outside our little box and live a large life of faith. A, a faith that puts on display the faithfulness of Jehovah-Jireh, the God who says, I'll see to it in the lives of My people. Lord, may we be a people like that. And if we're not a people like that, Father, I pray You'd give us the appetite for it. I pray that we'd be disciplined in the Word, that we'd abide in the truth. As Jesus says, abiding in the truth. 
being set free by the infinite and awesome and omnipotent promises of God. No limitations, no constraints. Just a life big with the glory of Jesus. We praise You, great God. What an awesome Father. What a faithful God. We praise You. We praise You. We praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen.